Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue, and welcome to the Visitor's Edition of The Michigan Man. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Joining us today will be the radio voice of Wisconsin football, Matt LePay. Before we do that, let's get started with my view from Section 17. Number 4 Michigan and number 8 Wisconsin. It's been a long time since we've seen a game this big. As we prepare for Saturday's matchup, I'm not sure what to expect. Part of me thinks Michigan will shut down Wisconsin's offense, and our offense will do just enough to win this game. The other part of me is still uncertain about a few things. Will our running game be able to take pressure off the passing game and Wilton Spate? How will Wilton handle the pressure against what looks to be a very balanced and aggressive Badger defense? Can our defense, which looks to be the best we've seen around here since 97, control or neutralize this Wisconsin run game? Wisconsin has beaten two top 10 teams so far. That alone to me is very impressive. But then I wonder, how good is LSU and Michigan State? As is usually the case in a game of this magnitude early in the season, there are a lot of questions about both teams. One thing is certain. Something has to give on Saturday. These are two teams that like to play the game the very same way. Power running game, smart efficient passing, physical aggressive defenses, and both teams up to this point, have not turned the ball over much. Again, something has to give. Whether you're a Wolverine or a Badger, this is the kind of game you want to be in. You want to be tested. We can analyze, predict, and worry all we want, but until these two teams tee it up on Saturday, we really don't know what to expect. By late Saturday evening, both teams will have a much better idea just how good they are. It should be a humdinger. In just a few weeks, the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about will be in the Google Play and iTunes stores. This app will change the way we interact with our favorite sports teams while they are playing. There is nothing like it. To get a sneak peek and find out more about this app, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and leave your cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and make sure you leave your cell number. Soon everyone will be talking about this app. Find out why and get an early look at just how amazing it's going to be. 
It is hard to believe we have not played Wisconsin since 2010. When last we met, the Badgers pummeled us here at home in the big house. This Saturday, we hope things will be different. Never before have these two teams been ranked in the top 10 when they met, which is hard to believe in the long and storied history. The radio voice of Wisconsin football, Matt LePay, joins me next to preview his Badgers and this Saturday's big game. Here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. on our visitors segment this week is the radio play-by-play voice of Wisconsin Badger football, Matt LaPay. Great to have you with us, Matt. Happy to do it. Well, Matt, the Badgers are ranked in the top 10 of the AP poll entering October for only the seventh time in school history and have not played Michigan since 2010, which uh, for those Wolverine fans who forget was a big win, resounding victory for Wisconsin here in Ann Arbor. It's hard to believe it's been six years since these two teams have played, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, it is. It's an unintended consequence of uh, league expansion, which obviously has a lot of good good parts to it. Um, I mean, about getting getting Maryland into the fold and getting Rutgers into the fold obviously uh, increases the footprint and, and all of that. But it, it, for those who've been around and who remember the Big Ten when they used to play each other every year, it's been a little bit of an adjustment. They, they played Michigan State last week, and that was the first time since 2012 they had played the Spartans. So I think uh, the, the recollection of the 2010 game, uh, the Badger fans know it was a good game. They might remember one or two things, but uh, I would imagine – it's been so long, the game itself might be kind of a blur, even for a Wisconsin fan. Before we talk about this weekend's big game, let's uh, just take a look back at some of the uh, earlier uh, games in the season for Wisconsin. The Badgers opened against a number 5 LSU at Lambeau Field. I don't think many of the so-called national experts uh, going into that game gave the Badgers much of a chance uh, to win. It was a big win on the big stage, and it seemed to really jumpstart this team, didn't it? Well, it was it was a thrilling game, and I, I think you could probably say that that it that it jumpstarted them. Um, you know, the feeling, at least over here, was that the Badgers defensively had a chance to be pretty good, and it and it has been really good uh, through these first four games, um, especially in the game against LSU. The, the Tigers scored two touchdowns. One was a defensive score. And the other one was after uh, after a turnover where LSU only had to cover 40 yards. Uh, otherwise, Wisconsin played extremely well defensively. Really, uh, the period, the Badgers played well throughout the game. But uh, given the hype of that game, having it played at Lambeau Field, that was a big thrill for for probably every player, but especially the kids from the state of Wisconsin who were Packer fans. Uh, that that was that was impressive and. You know, we pretty well documented not now that LSU has has some issues and an interim coach over there. But make no mistake, that's a really talented team. But I think Wisconsin maybe showed that day that uh, it's not too bad either. Well, and then last Saturday, the Badgers roll into East Lansing against then number eight Michigan State. Anyone who saw that performance against what I still think is a very good Spartan team could only conclude 
This Wisconsin team's for real, isn't it? Well, defensively, for sure. And I think any period, it's starting to show that. Clearly, there's a long way to go in the year, and the Badgers are in this gauntlet portion of the schedule, which I'm sure has been talked about quite a bit, um, not just in the state of Wisconsin, but probably everywhere, people who follow college football. But the Badgers were, were terrific on multiple fronts against uh, Michigan State. Defensively, they, they turned over the Spartans. That's been a very good team and leading the, the Big Ten in turnover margin the last three years. But uh, the Spartans had the, the table flipped a little bit on them. Uh, it was the Badgers getting a defensive score. It was Wisconsin getting a short field a couple of times. And offensively, they uh, had a change of quarterback, a, a redshirt freshman named Alex Hornibrook made his first career start, and he was he was outstanding, converting uh, multiple third and long throws, a uh, very calm, confident quarterback. And he was also working with a center, making his first career start in Brett Connors. But they were they were clean in that game. They had no exchange issues. Um, I'm sure the coaches are finding a few things to correct during the week, but I think having your first career start at the college level, going on the road and and playing well like that was a very was a very encouraging day. And I agree with you. I think Michigan State is a very good team. This was just one of those days where Wisconsin played exceptionally well. And again, maybe more and more people are thinking that the Badgers might be a very very good team too even though we're just four games into the year. Well, you're right, Matt. That was an impressive uh, performance by young Alex Hornibrook uh, under center on, on Saturday. The change was made heading into uh, week four. Why was that change made, and what does he bring to this offense that's different? Well, it was interesting. Paul Christ, and it really started to make sense as the game was unfolding, at least I hope it did to fans, because Paul was saying it wasn't so much what uh, Bart Houston wasn't doing. It wasn't like Bart was out there uh, playing terrible football. It was just the, pro- the steady progression of Alex Hornibrook. They, this was a competition that went back into the spring and on into fall camp. And the feeling was there never was great separation between the two. Um, I just think right now they, they like the, the accuracy of, uh, of Hornibrook a little bit more. Um, but Chris has been very consistent. And he, he was saying this before the first game. He continues to say it now. Is that he's going to need both of them. He's going to meet, need Hornybrook. He's going to need Houston. Houston has a live arm, but I think right now Hornybrook may have a, a more accurate arm. And uh, there, there is a, a calmness to this guy who is a redshirt freshman. And if you didn't know he was a redshirt freshman, you just watch him out in the field, you would think he's uh, probably an upperclassman. He just has a, a, a coolness to him. He has a lot of confidence. He's not afraid to throw into pretty tight windows. He did that in a couple of situations last week against Michigan State. So, um, so again, uh, in a nutshell, it's not as though Houston was bad. It's just that Hornybrook has performed to the level where Chris believes um, his left-hander has earned the chance to, to start. And so far, so good. But the key now is to keep your senior ready just in case. Uh, we all know how it works in this game. They, they, that cliche, your yeah. snap away, exists. There's a, there's a reason that cliche has been around. <laughs> so the, the key is for Houston to stay as ready as it can. Well, for all of us who are, are lefties, it's nice to see a left-hander out there slinging it around. What I thought was impressive <laughs> about him, though, Matt, was that coverage, that secondary for Michigan State was uh, on top of those receivers. He was just putting it on the money. Yeah, that's what he can do. He throws a, a real pretty ball down the field. Um, he does have a, a, an accurate arm more often than not. And, and I think 
Chewy, there were the, the worst thing that you would want, or the last thing you would want to see, probably generally, but especially with a guy making his first start, is to have three or four third down and ten or more yards to go. And and Hornybrook was staring down the barrel of that uh, on Saturday, and and was able to hit some big throws, keep drives alive. The first touchdown drive took about half the quarter, actually a little more than half the first quarter. There were a couple of fourth down conversions uh, using their fullback. Uh, it was a big time consuming drive. And, and I think maybe that was a, a boost of confidence. And another thing with Hornybrook, he, he turned it over early. Michigan State forced a fumble and uh, went down and got a field goal. And, and you're thinking, okay, your first career start, you uh, you turned it over the first quarter. Is is that going to start to snowball on you? And the, and the answer was very much no. He went back out there and, uh, and, and led his team down the field and, and played really well. So that when you can not allow a mistake to become a second one, that that's pretty impressive, especially for a guy making his first start at the college level. So, you know, they try to around here, they're trying not to make too much of it because he's going to go through some tough times. He hasn't had to deal with your real peppers yet. <laughs> so that, that could uh, be a game changer. Uh, but uh, to go on the road like that and perform well in a game where you beat a team convincingly, and that just doesn't happen at Spartan Stadium often at all, uh, it, it should bode well, you would hope, for, for the quarterback as well as everybody on offense. They know they have to get better. They don't run the ball that well in the game against uh, – Michigan State. So this this team is pretty grounded. It played well. It was happy with the win, but it would like to think that it could still get a lot better. Well, in that running game, Matt, Corey Clements uh, is another in a long line of very good power backs the Badgers have produced. Tell us about him and how he compares with some of the other great backs that have played for the Badgers in recent years. Well, the interesting thing about Clement is I think everybody over here, we're, we're still trying to find out how good he is. Uh, he's had a handful of starts in his career. He's had maybe 15 or 16 games in his career with double-digit carries. Uh, he's never really had to be the guy. Uh, from the tailback position. They've had you know, Melvin Gordon, obviously, here, uh, and then Clement last year uh, had most of his season wiped out because of the sports hernia. Uh, so his season never really started. So I, I think, in all honesty, we're trying to find out, uh, we meaning observers and, and, more importantly, the coaches, they are trying to find out. He, he looks like somebody who could be a very good running back, and we have seen glimpses of it, uh, Certainly, and when he was backing up Melvin Gordon, he put up big numbers, his yards per carry, uh, some some eye-popping numbers there. But it's a story, I think, that's still being written. Um, He he missed a game and a half. He played the LSU game. They played the first half against Akron and was hurt, missed the second half of that game, and then missed the Georgia State game entirely. Was back last week. So he's still probably trying to get himself back into full form. Um, hopefully, for the Badgers' sake, this would be a week he could do that. But it's uh, we're not sure. Uh, I think he can be a really good back, but it's just I want to tap the brakes on comparing <laughs> him with some of the others because, quite honestly, we just haven't seen enough of them. You know, one of the uh, stats, Matt, that sort of jumps off the page at me when I look at this offense is ball control. Of course, uh, key for the Badgers, uh, most power running teams want to control the ball. This team ranks number three in the nation right now, holding the ball, which to me is an amazing 37 minutes per game, just over 37, actually. You don't lose many games if you control the ball like that every week, Matt. 
Yeah, what's interesting about it is that Paul Christ is not particularly a time of possession guy. Uh, he just he wants to get points, but he understands the makeup of this team right now, um, and it's still offensively is not exactly an explosive team. Certainly it is not proven to be yet. It has to, to move the chains, uh, you know, get the first downs going, get yourself into, if nothing else, field goal range, but hopefully get into the end zone. But it's not an offense right now, at least, that has shown the ability to get a lot of big hits. Maybe that will happen as the year moves along. Uh, but you're right, they have been they have been ball hogs, and that, that has been a, a big storyline with this team, and what's been good about that, the Wisconsin defense, as I said, has been quite good. But when your offense is out there for that long, that helps keep the your defensive guys pretty fresh, so they can they can run around and then they can make some plays. And in the fourth quarter, they're uh, they're feeling pretty good, running on fresh legs. But that um, it's just been interesting to me because Chris, an offensive guy, the, the time of possession isn't as big for him as it was when Barry Alvarez was coaching or when Brett Bielema was up here, those were guys with a defensive background. They, they loved it. Um, but the makeup of this year's team, it, it may require it right now because that quick strike capability just doesn't appear to be there at least so far. It certainly is playing to your strength, which is that defense. And the Badgers have allowed, I think it's 11.8 points per game, given up a total of one touchdown and two field goals against LSU and Michigan State. Only three offensive touchdowns through four games. Like Michigan, this team leans on their great defense, doesn't it? It does. And going into the year, the front seven was pretty highly regarded. People weren't quite sure about the secondary, uh, but the secondary has made people uh, take notice with, with the way it has played. Um, the big fumble return last week at Michigan State, that was a safety by the name of Leo Musso who ran it back. Uh, Derek Kendall, a cornerback, has, has played really well. Sojourn Shelton has been the leader, you could say, back there. He's a senior. He's played a ton of, of football in his career. That was kind of the unknown, at least outside of their locker room, but so far so good the way that that entire group has performed. And there is a – these guys do it pretty well collectively, but I, I think if you're looking for a little bit of star power on this team, that the outside linebackers, Vince Beagle and T.J. Watt, uh, usually third Watt to come through Wisconsin, <laughs> J.J., who's tearing it up in the NFL, and Derek with, uh, with the San Diego Chargers. But T.J. is uh, doing a pretty nice job of carving his own niche. He had a, he had a great game last week against Michigan State. Found a home. He was a tight end. They moved him around a little bit. He's battled through some injuries. Uh, but he's uh, he's good to go and then finished last year effectively, and he's off to a, a really good start this year. He and Beagle, that's a pretty good outside linebacker tandem. The linebacking core is good, period. And they've been, re- they've been really pleased at every level, um, giving you probably too long of an answer here, but just trying to give you a couple of names to watch, 47 Beagle, 42 T.J. Watt. Those are guys that are uh, pretty hard not to notice when they're out there. No, I, I like Beagle. I've liked him. Uh, T.J. Watt, he's one of those guys football players have to love. He, you'll watch him. The guy's motor is just always running. It is. And, and it's uh, the, the thing, again, that I know Paul Christ has talked about it, uh, the, the, that's a close family. You know, they're all proud of each other with JJ and Derek and TJ. But I think maybe what makes them even more special is that each of these guys really is out to carve his own niche, to create his own identity. It, the JJ watch story over here is extremely well documented and he's on 
probably a Hall of Fame track uh, if he can continue close to the level he has played at so far in the NFL with the Houston Texans. And, and Derek makes up a, uh, a Wisconsin backfield out there in San Diego, fullback for his uh, tailback, Melvin Gordon. But TJ, he's uh, he's proven to be pretty good, too. So he's, he's racking up the numbers. Um, great pride in the family, but uh, a determination to, uh, for, in the case of TJ, he'll tell you he's real proud of Derek and JJ, and now he wants <laughs> he wants to give those guys reason to be proud of him, and, and I would say so far so good. Uh, so far so good, and last week Walter Camp, Defensive Player of the Week for his performance against Michigan State, outstanding linebacker. Matt, in September, Wisconsin played two top ten teams, LSU and Michigan State, October, they have to play us on Saturday, Ohio State, and then Nebraska. That is just one mind-boggling stretch, isn't it? It is. It's probably as tough a stretch, just given the length of it. Uh, I've been around here a little while. About 20 years ago, they had a real difficult stretch to begin the season playing teams in the top five, top ten, at least the first three weeks, maybe four uh, a few years later, in, in what was a Rose Bowl title year, um, in fact, the only game they lost to the Big Ten was to Michigan. Uh, the following week, they went to Ohio State, and then you played Michigan State and on down the line. That was a pretty daunting schedule of ranked teams every week. But I think given the sustained level, high level of competition, this is probably the toughest in, 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 in at least a generation. When you start out against LSU, soap opera aside down there in Baton Rouge with their team. They're, they're a very talented group. And then who you start with in the Big Ten, there's a, a bit of a break only because there's a bye week after this game this week. They'll have a bye, and then Ohio State comes in. So that's a, probably a pretty good spot given this schedule to at least allow some guys to, to get healthy and maybe just get away for a little bit. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's one uh, – <laughs> one headbanger after another. <laughs> Fans love it. And I think the players are doing the right thing. They're embracing it. Uh, you know, players love the big games. It's, it's just going to be interesting to see at the end of this stretch, at the end of October, knowing there's still important games ahead of them, what kind of shape they'll be in. Are they still in the mix? Are they? How healthy are they? There's a lot of storylines that can unfold here in the next four or five weeks. Well, a final thought, Matt. Defense is, of course, the strength uh, for both of these teams. Really, to me, these are two teams that want to do the same thing on offense and defense. So you would think points are going to come at a premium uh, on Saturday. Something has to give. Turnovers, there has to be a differentiator. But this looks like a classic Big Ten matchup, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You know, both teams use this thing called a fullback again, which is kind of fun <laughs> for a uh, for maybe the older fans, second straight week, Wisconsin's had uh, an opponent that does that. Spartans do that. I, I guess right now, if you're looking at a potential X factor, special teams would be the one just knowing what Michigan has done with blocking kicks and punts so far and, and the obvious factor of Jabril Peppers uh, back there. Uh, Wisconsin has given up a punt return for a score this season that was against Akron, but otherwise – the special teams have been pretty good. The kickoff guy is good, but their place kicker is battling an injury. He was not available last week, so we'll see how that unfolds this week. But yeah, it should be should be fun. I know Paul Christ and, and Jim Harbaugh know each other well. Paul actually was on the Chargers staff uh, back in the late '90s, 2000, when uh, Jim Harbaugh was quarterback out there, and Paul's brother Jeep Christ uh, coached with uh, Coach Harbaugh for, for several years. So. These two guys, uh, maybe in the public persona, are a little bit different, 
but I think there's a lot of respect, and, and they genuinely like each other. So uh, I don't know how many fans would care about that on Saturday afternoon, but it's kind of cool. It just shows you how small the coaching circle is, and uh, and two guys who are really good at what they do. I'm just it'll be fun to see how the teams match up this weekend. Yeah, and one of the uh, really cool things about this Saturday is uh, I didn't know this until I I saw it yesterday in uh, in print that in the long history uh, of this rivalry with Wisconsin and Michigan, these two teams have never met before when they were ranked in the top ten. Of course, uh, this is the biggest game in the country this week, but that is uh, interesting too. It's fun to say. Well, I would imagine looking at over the years, Michigan's probably done its part of getting in the top ten. But it's kind of fun to see a spotlight game in, in the Big Ten. Uh, I think uh, we've, we're probably all worn out at the SEC this and SEC that. <laughs> it's a great league and, and all of that. But uh, I, I think maybe a game like this, and then hopefully it'll be a really good game, but it, it can serve notice that teams in this league know how to play too so it's uh it's that that's good it can only be good for the big 10 conference and and uh, i think this league is making a pretty strong statement when you look at the non-conference with maybe one or two exceptions um what this league has been able to do if the game is played at home neutral side on the road i think the conference is faring pretty well so far so Hopefully that's a trend that will continue for a while. Well, let's hope so. We, as you said, we're, we've all heard enough about the SEC. We're in the spotlight this week, and it should be a humdinger. Our guest here on our visitor segment as we get ready for uh, this big matchup Saturday has been the radio play-by-play voice of Wisconsin Badger football, Matt LePay. Matt, thanks for taking time from your busy schedule, and enjoy your trip to the big house. My pleasure. Have a good one. Take care. An injury update and some game day facts are next on Wolverine Quick Hits as we wrap up this visitor's edition of The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Quick hits today. By now, we know Jeremy Clark is done for the year with an ACL injury. As of yesterday, Brian Monet is still questionable. Drake Johnson has been practicing and should be available for action. For week six of the season, we are in pretty good shape. Here are some game day facts Michigan leads this series with a record of 49 wins, 14 losses, and one tie. These teams last met on October 15th of 2010 in the Big House. The Badgers won 48 to 28. Paul Christ is in his second year as head man and has a record of 14-3. The Badgers were 10-3 last year, beat USC 23-21 in the Holiday Bowl, and finished the year ranked 21st in the AP poll. They returned six starters from last year on both offense and defense. The weatherman says we have a 100% chance of rain during the game on Saturday, so don't forget, as usual, bring your rain gear. Our free show apps are available in the Google Play and the iTunes stores, and we are now on the team at iHeartRadio. It's never been easier to keep up with your Wolverines wherever your busy schedule takes you. So get one of the apps and tune us in each week. In just a few weeks, the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about will be in the Google Play and iTunes stores. 
This game will change the way we interact with our favorite sports teams while they are playing. There is nothing like it. To get a sneak peek and find out more about this app, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and leave your cell phone number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and make sure you leave a cell number. Soon everyone will be talking about this app. Find out why by getting an early look at how amazing it will be. That will do it for this visitor's edition of the show. We'll be back here next Tuesday with our game day show, and then on Thursday with the visitor's edition as we get ready for our first road game of the year against Rutgers. So make sure you join us for both shows. It should be a humdinger on Saturday. It's the kind of big-time game we've been waiting for, and by late Saturday evening we'll have a much better idea just how good we are this year. Enjoy the game. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!